Welcome to TCH. This is the Christian's Hour broadcast. Here it is, holiday season underway. And what should be the most wonderful time of the year is for some of us overshadowed by stress, anxiety, isolation or loneliness, depression. Sometimes, making our way through the holidays, we just need to be reminded what this celebration is all about. So, let's pause, take a deep breath, and listen to some good news. Our speaker this month is Ben Kacharis, lead minister with the Mountain Christian Church, Joppa, Maryland. Ben is sharing how we can find nearness to God, and through him, this week, peace. Peace on earth? Maybe a better description of this world as we know it is troubled. We struggle to find peace in our heads and our hearts, but end up more divided inside and from one another as well. So with direction where to find a place where our spirits will not be troubled about trouble, here's Ben. We need some good news, right? As we've as we've kind of noted, uh, Every week of this series, um, that's kind of how the, the, the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke uh, comes to a real crescendo. The angel shows up and declares to who? Remember? Shepherds who are out in their fields at night. And he says, I want to bring you good news of great joy because everyone needs to know there's a Savior. He's Christ. He's born in Bethlehem. Go check it out for yourself. That's the first thing the angel says. Do you know what the next thing is? The very second thing that the angel says immediately after that? Check it out in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. Suddenly, it says, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace, peace, there it is, peace. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men, as the old English stated it, right? Peace, peace. Peace? Wait a minute. Peace on earth? Really? Is that, is that really the word you would describe the world with right now? Peace? You think things are peaceful? Peace. You know, it, it feels rather like we're more divided than ever, doesn't it? So you go back to Genesis. First pages of the Bible, what you see is you got Adam and Eve who kind of rebel and go against God. And what do they do? They start blaming each other, pointing fingers at each other and at God. It's not my fault, they say, right? And we've kind of been doing the same thing ever since, haven't we? Their sons, Cain and Abel, couldn't get along. And out of envy, one kills the other to get them out of the way. And we've kind of been doing that ever since, haven't we? Someone said the natural religion of the human heart is self-righteousness. I'm right. You're wrong. And you leave that kind of thing unchecked by the goodness of God. And it just leads to a bunch of people who say, I'm right, you're wrong. And I, I just shut everyone else down. So you see it. You got a lot of people in the older generations criticizing younger generations for missing it and messing everything up. And the younger generation is like, well, you already messed everything up. And you won't change with the times to address the needs of the real world. And we're divided by generations and nations and race and religion and politics and and then, and then you got this cancel culture thing, right, which switches on our mob mentality so we can all gang up and pounce on anyone that we don't like or agree with or who offends me so we can do what Cain did to Abel. If, you don't, if I don't like you, I don't trust you, or I don't know you, 
I just get rid of you. You're canceled. And this year we've seen in this age of outrage, it's turned a bunch of us into a mob of dictators or circling a bunch of hyenas to devour and destroy. And it's just a picture of what's happening globally with wars still raging and conflicts erupting. But maybe in light of all of that, the greatest conflict with the people I'm hearing from is right here in our own hearts. As more and more of us are distressed and worried and angry, peace on earth, maybe a better word would be we're troubled, troubled. Not just because we have some trouble. It's like we're troubled without, all over the world, and within. We're not just lacking peace as a nation between people this way. We're struggling to find peace right here and in here, aren't we? We're plenty divided one from another, but we can't find peace inside. A lot of people can't. Anybody up for some good news? Hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, there was a prophet by the name of Micah who prophesied with pinpoint accuracy something that would happen that would change everything in a bad news world. To people who were troubled, Every bit as much as we are, without and within, here's what Micah had to say. Check, check it out, chapter, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 2. He says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, even though you're only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet, he says, a ruler of all Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf, says the Lord. And then listen, he will be the source of our peace. It's amazing. So you see, when those angels showed up and said to those shepherds, this day in the city of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born who will bring peace on earth, goodwill to men. When they said that, those shepherds would have looked at each other and said, dog, did you hear that? Bethlehem. Just like Micah said, you know what that means? It means that whoever this ruler is who's just come, he will be the source of our peace. And so they went to look for him. And we've been looking for that peace ever since. About that same time, there was another prophecy. We're talking like 700 years before the night of the shepherds. Back in the days of Micah, there was a different prophet by the name of Isaiah, and he said to a bunch of people who, again, were just as troubled as we are. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born, a son is given. And, and, and the whole government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And the name we take note of today is he is known as the Prince of Peace. Friends, a lot has changed since those words were first spoken. But here's one thing that has not changed. If you want peace, the place to find it is in that child born in Bethlehem who is our Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. Jesus is, believe me on this, Jesus is the source of real peace. So what does that mean to say Jesus brings peace? Like how does that actually work, right? There's kind of two super important implications we want to touch on today. One is kind of huge and cosmic and has to do with the future. And the other is just really intensely personal and has to do with right now, okay? So when we say, first of all, that Jesus brings peace, the first thing it means is that Jesus will bring global peace on earth one day. It's going to happen. The Bible promises this, that one day all the struggle and sorrow and division is going to end 
as God will bring to completion the renewal of all things in his creation, restoring us and his world to the way it was meant to be before we messed it all up with sin. We're going to talk about this very thing next week, and it's super exciting because it shows us that God's at work in this thing we call life and this earth, and it's going someplace good. It's not just going to burn up and blow up and go away. God is making a new heaven and a new earth. And after God deals with all the sin and judges everything, there's a new heaven, new earth that comes and all who trust Christ as their prince of peace, their source of peace, are going to enjoy life together with God in this shalom. So you don't have to go to heaven to find it. It's going to come to earth. The same prophet Isaiah described in a very cool way. Listen to Isaiah chapter 11 this time. Just verse 6, but the whole section's cool. But we'll just look at verse 6. It says this. Maybe you've heard a phrase that kind of sounded like this. He's picturing that day when everything's kind of awesome again. And it says, you know, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Instead of the wolf having lamb for dinner, they're, they're pals, you know. The leopard, instead of eating the goat, is going to lie down and just hang out and say, hey, what's up? The, the, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. That's how innocent and pure it is. All those images of peace. And, it, and, it, and the same prophet Isaiah says in chapter 2 as he pictures that moment, he says all warfare is done for. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle all international disputes. Can you imagine that world? They will hammer their swords into plowshares. Oh, I don't need a sword. What am I going to do with this sword? I'll just use it on the farm for my crops. And this spear, I don't need to poke anybody with it. I'll just use it as a pruning hook. And nation will no longer fight against nation nor even train for war. You know, the military cadets school gets shut down because you don't need it. And you get this picture that there will be one day peace on earth and goodwill toward men and women and everyone in God's favor rests. It may look bad and hard and awful right now, but God will not be denied his will. And one day he will bring global peace, global peace for everything and everyone. And those who trust in Christ will enter into that shalom. And that confident hope is what infuses our present conflicts that we're facing today. And that's the first thing that it means when we say, you know, Jesus can bring peace. But when we say that Jesus brings peace, uh, it's really important we understand it's a lot more than that. It's more than cosmic future eternal eternity. It, it, it's something very personal and right now. Jesus, listen to me, Jesus can give you peace right now. The peace that we're talking about here, that Jesus brings. He doesn't reserve for just some future time. Friends, this is one of the most important and I think sadly missed advantages of being a follower of Jesus is that there is a real peace that Jesus can give. God's peace has come to earth here and now. He can fill us. Listen to me. God's peace can fill you so that his peace becomes our peace. You can have Jesus' peace no matter what's going on around you. Listen to how Jesus says it. John 14, verse 27. Circle it in your Bible. Here's what he says. Peace I leave with you. He says before he, he, was, he was checking out and going back to be with the Father. He says, I, I leave you with my peace. My peace I give you. You don't have to earn it. I'm going to give you my peace. I, and, and he says, I don't give you peace as the world gives. There's, there's a different kind of peace that the world wants to give you that never works out. But, but, but I'm going to give you my peace. And he says, and then do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Friends, this is really, really good news 
in a bad news world that you can have peace and it comes through Jesus. Now think about what's going on there in that, in that passage, all right? His friends, this is John 14, so it's kind of at the end of Jesus' life, and his friends are super discouraged at the moment because you know what? Jesus just told them he's going to be leaving, and he's going to have to go suffer and die, and it was like, well, we, we kind of know the whole story now, so we're not shocked by that. But when they heard it, it was like horrible news that Jesus would be separated from this one they loved. I mean, we all know a little bit of something about separation from loved ones these days, and they're feeling that to the nth degree. And so here it is, just hours before, before Jesus knows he's going to be crucified and he's concerned not for himself but for his friends. He's concerned for your peace. And what he does is he ties it. He says, this peace can come to you through faith in me, trust in me, he says. So when you put your trust in Jesus, it doesn't just help you go to heaven when you die so you can have peace someday. He says, my peace, I want to give you Right now, trust me, I want to give you peace. And notice that he calls it, he makes a big deal out of saying it's my peace, not the same as the world gives. There's an offer up of peace that so many are chasing after and trying to get a hold of and hold on to. But he says, my peace is different. The world's peace is like, it's when we try to come to peace without God. And, and so you're, you're hoping that maybe you can have peace because your circumstances are going well. And we even try to guarantee that sometimes. So we buy, you know, we buy health insurance and we buy retirement accounts and flood insurance, things that will give us what? Peace of mind. But of course, it's all just fragile and tenuous and it's temporary. And it, that kind of peace that the world gives doesn't last. If you want real peace, Jesus says, you got to have my peace. My peace. Your peace, Jesus. I mean, they're about to kill you. What kind of peace is that? It's like Jesus is saying here, I'll tell you what kind of peace it is. It's perfect peace. That's what. The peace with my Father. Like tomorrow, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to open the door for you to enter my peace, the peace I have now with the Father. When I go to offer my life, I'm going to purchase your forgiveness to give you peace with your judge and your maker to provide righteousness for you before a holy God. That's peace. You don't have to be afraid of that judgment day. I will bring you into the very peace that I enjoy with my father right now. You can have my peace, the same peace I enjoy right now as I am about to go through like the worst trouble you can imagine. You can have that, my peace. And it's such a solid peace, this peace of mine, nothing and nobody can ever take it away from you. My peace I give to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled, man. And I hope you have that kind of peace, Jesus' peace. Now watch this. Jesus is realistic. He doesn't, he doesn't lead us to believe that, you know, if you trust him, your life is a breeze. He says there's still going to be suffering and struggle and sin and death. And John 16, just a little bit later, he says in verse 33, he says, in this world you will have trouble. Not everything is peaceful yet. You're going to have some trouble. But remember this. He turns around and says, you're going to have trouble. Then John 14, 27, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You see that? In other words, as one person has said, don't be troubled by trouble. And this is the key. This is the key. Lean in right now. This is it. So many people don't understand this principle, and it's the key to finding peace in Christ. Here it is. No matter what kind of trauma or, or turmoil, or testing you're in, there's going to be trouble. But you don't need to be troubled. 
There will be trouble, but you don't need to be troubled. And this is what that guy, Paul, in the New Testament found. He found that kind of peace, facing a trial and almost certain death. And yet he says, I found it. What? I found the peace of Christ. And he says, it passes understanding. In other words, it won't even appear to make sense because I am in so much trouble right now, but I'm not troubled. You see, that's what we want in life, isn't it? To find that, what he called the secret to contentment. To find that peace, to be in trouble, but not have your spirit troubled. All that comes through Christ. That's what he says. Look at, look at the rest of that verse, 1633, where he says, you'll have trouble in this world. Look at the whole verse. He says, I've told you these things so that, again, in me, it's my peace, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but you can take heart. You don't have to be troubled because I have overcome the world. In John 14, he says that same thing. Don't be troubled. Why? He says, believe in God, believe also in me. So, so important to see this. Does he say, you don't have to be troubled because I'm going to make your life a cakewalk, cushy and easy and breezy? No. But he says, you don't have to have your heart be troubled because you can believe in God and trust in me. And that is the portal. Your trust in Jesus is the portal through which the peace of Christ comes. So trust in me, he says. Belief or, or trust in the Bible is this idea of putting all your weight onto something, right? Like my dad, uh, my dad busted his legs really bad when he fell off a ladder back in 1970. Like he shattered his kneecaps, broke all his bones. He was out for like six months, but then he got rehabbed and he, he logged like, a million miles on those legs over the last few decades, okay? But now in his older years, they're shot and it's bone on bone and it's painful. And so sometimes he uses one of those walkers, you know, we've all seen him, right? And, and you know how he does that, right? If you want to take a step, you put that walker out there and you put your weight on it and then you can step forward. You put it out and then you take a step. You put it out and put your weight on it and you can move forward in that way. And that's, that's faith. What you believe, that's what you put your weight on so you can move forward. What you put your trust in so you can keep moving. When, when it's painful and you, you, you don't know where to go or what to do and the trouble is great, whatever you put your weight on to be able to move forward, that's what you believe in. So what's your walker? What are you putting your weight on so you can move forward? What, what are you trusting in to try to tame your troubles? What are you believing in in order to find some peace? If you put your weight on anything other than Jesus, it's not going to hold up and it's not going to help you move forward. And I think, honestly, this is why there's so much, so many angry people these days and so much division because everyone's trying to put their weight on all these different things that aren't working. They're leaning on the walker of a political system or a party or some social structure or the Constitution or a vaccine or our positive optimism. And none of that can handle the weight of what's going on in our world. And so no one can really move forward and we can't find peace. And Jesus says, trust in God, trust also in me. Put your weight on him so you can move forward. And friend, we need that now more than ever in these troubled times, don't we? We need Jesus. We need to trust in Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. And it's time for all of us, everyone listening to my voice, to double down on Jesus, to, to rely on him, to, to trust in him, to cling to him like never before. Because you know what? 
We're in trouble, but our hearts don't have to be troubled. Trusting Christ is that portal through which his peace can come in. So you can say, you know what? I, there's a lot of trouble. And you know what else? My heart, my heart's not troubled. I want to I wanna share with you what's probably my favorite uh, Christmas song. And some of you probably never even heard of it. All right. Uh, but uh, I still want to share some of it with you right now. And it's called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It's by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, one of America's greatest and best-known poets. He was a man of deep faith, but he had a lot of really hard things happen in his life. In 1861, his wife Fanny was cutting hair of one of their girls. I think he had like six kids. And she wanted to save a couple locks of hair. And she was putting her hair in this envelope and was about to close it up and seal it with hot wax. And as she was doing that, some of the wax fell on her dress, which instantly burst into flames and she was engulfed. And she tried to run to Henry, her husband, to save her. And he tried with a rug and his own body, but he badly burned himself and she died the next day. Near Christmas of that year, he wrote, how inexpressibly sad is Christmas. Two years later, the Civil War was raging across the country and taking a terrible toll on everyone, just so depressing and frightening. And then he got the news that his son, who had run off to be in the army and was a sad shock for him, and then he got the news that his son Charles was seriously wounded in battle from a bullet through the back, leaving him with a crippling and life-altering injury. So just hearing that news on Christmas Day, 1864, with cannons booming, his personal life reeling, Longfellow wrote a poem, which he called Christmas Bells. And in it, he kind of struggles to reconcile the trouble with his trust. It became the song that's been sung ever since and one that I think really resonates with us, especially this year. So I'm going to encourage you just to listen to the words now. The, the first stanzas you're going to notice are kind of bright and hopeful and cheery, like Christmas bells when they're ringing and there's no trouble and anything hard to deal with. But you're going to notice then that some of the stanzas start dealing with really hard stuff, like how it doesn't seem there's any peace and goodwill toward anyone. He talks about the war and a number of other things. And then and finally, in one of the verses, it's so poignant. He just bows his head in despair and he almost gives in to hopelessness and sadness and just says, there is no peace on earth. But then in the final stanza, it kind of rings through like a loud bell breaking our despair with this confident declaration that no matter what is going on, God is not dead, and the hope of Christmas is in this same message those angels brought to those shepherds that there is and can be peace through Christ. It concludes with the, the verses, uh, as I just mentioned, that hopeful, ringing conclusion, which I think will mean as much to us now as they did for folk back in the Civil War. So let's just take a moment. Just focus on the words. Maybe sing along if you want to, and just... As we get to that last part, just let it fill your heart with the hope and the peace of Christ. Christmas bell. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat. Of peace on earth, peace on earth. 
I thought how as the day had come, the belfries of Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, peace on earth, peace on earth, good to bet you've had some trouble. We all have. Isn't it good to be reminded God is not dead. The wrong will fail. The right will prevail. And those words, peace on earth, goodwill toward men and women, is something that can be had for all who have received what Jesus calls my peace. Peace on earth, really? Yes, really. So let me ask you, Where do you need that peace of Jesus right now? Where do you need the peace of Christ in your life? It's probably clear to you where you're troubled. You don't just have trouble, you're troubled. I just encourage you to open your spirit, to ask the Lord Jesus who's offering to give you his peace and say, Jesus, I need your peace. I trust you because your trust in him is the portal through which the peace of Christ comes. Thanks, Ben. And our thanks to Sally DeFord Music and James Loynes for sharing I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day.
I wish I could tell you you'll find peace by just taking a deep breath or by listening to the right Christmas carol. But truth of the matter is, if you want peace, real peace, the place to find it is in Jesus. The child born in Bethlehem, who is the Prince of Peace. His peace is eternal. And if you give yourself to him, his peace starts right here and right now. We have a free copy of today's program on CD. And to receive yours, just give us a call. Our number is 515-770-2241. Please leave your name and mailing address when you call. We'll send your free copy on CD. That phone again, 515-770-2241. Or you're welcome to download your own copy if you wish. You'll find it online at oneplace.org, iTunes, Google Play, or our website, thechristianshour.org. That's thechristianshour.org. Thanks for listening today to The Christian's Hour. Please join us again next week for another lesson from God's Word.